Hello and welcome to this episode of the Knit British Podcast, which is all about wool exploration. We started wool exploration in 2018 and I am continuing wool exploration into 2019. If you have uh, absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, there is a post at knitbritish.net which is called Wool Exploration in 2018. Uh, You can do a little bit of reading there. But this podcast episode is really just to introduce you to Wool Exploration, tell you a little bit about why I decided to do it, what is involved and to just share with you a little bit of the process. Knit British has always been about what we can do in our own making, and particularly in my own making, to celebrate British wool. And then I started doing the podcast and wanted us to celebrate together in our own making local wool. And it it quickly became apparent that we were learning a lot in our own making individually, but also there was the scope to learn a lot together. Uh, We love a cal, a knit along here at at Knit British. And I was trying to think of a way to capture all of the fun of a cal, but with that pursuit for wool education. And so wool exploration was born. It was also born out of conversations I would have where people would say they loved working with, for example, a four-ply Shetland wool, but couldn't wear chunkier Shetland wools, or they had tried a breed wool before and it had prickled or irritated, so they were put off ever using that breed wool again. They never tried another brand or another seller or another preparation. Or they found a certain breed wool too robust and again hadn't tried a lighter weight. And my thinking has always been to keep trying and keep exploring. Um, There are different twists, different spins, different preparations. Breed wool is not the same. Um, The breed over uh, and it's not the same in a single sheep, in a single flock year on year. Um, It's not the same as the next sheep in the field next to it that's of the same breed. Um, So we can't think that yarn will also be homogenous. So Wool Exploration explores our own approaches to breed wool and it makes a record for others to discover. In 2018, we looked at North Ronaldsey, Gotland, Jacobs, Ryland, Teeswater, Romney, the Dorset Group, uh, breed group, Southdown, Manx, Lofton, and in 2019, we're going to explore Shetland, Cheviot, Wensleydale, Castle Mockmudit, Norfolk Horn, and the Welsh Mountain Group. Uh, a few less in number uh, than in 2018, but potentially a deeper dive into our exploration. So, what's it all about? Well, for each exploration, we look at one breed in yarn form. It can be dyed, it can be natural, it can be any weight from lace to chunky. It can be woolen spun, worsted spun, semi-worsted. You can even spin your own. But the rule is that it has to be 100% of the chosen breed. No crosses or blended yarns. So read your labels carefully. And if you aren't sure... 
ask your sellers. I aim for this to be as inclusive as possible uh, so that you can use whatever is available to you. But as we go through our exploration, we will see that the same breed and yarn form will be different depending on how it's spun or prepared. Uh, So different weights and different preparations uh, and different twists are important here. We knit or crochet or a large swatch, or you can even weave if you like, uh, in any pattern that you like. But we have a set of guidelines that we all follow so that our findings are structured in the same way. You can download the Wool Exploration field notes in the show notes for this episode, uh, but they can also be found in the header of every Wool Exploration chat in the Knit British Ravelry group. More on that in a moment. On the Wool Exploration field notes, or using that as a guide in your own notebooks, we note the details of the yarn, the brand, the weight, the preparation, the needle or hook size that you've used, and the pattern that you've cast on, and also the number of stitches that you've cast on. This is not a gauge swatch, uh, so the number of stitches isn't critical to this exploration, but these field notes are your own notes and it's a good way to record your adventures with swatching. Uh, For example, lots of our explorers are using wool exploration as a way to create blanket squares, uh, so gauge is obviously more important there. Uh, And then after we've made a note of of all of those details, the row test begins. The first section is observances in swatching. And as always, we begin with a hand squish grab of the yarn in the ball or or the skein. Uh, I'm very keen to remind listeners that the hand squish grab on its own, when you're in a local yarn store or at a wool fest, it will lie to you. Squashing the yarn in your palm will not tell you of the magic that that yarn holds and what it will become. It will definitely give you a sensation of feeling. It will definitely give you an inclination as to what that yarn might be best suited to. But when you knit with it, you're feeling the yarn totally differently. You're feeling the strand of yarn through your fingers and not your palm. You are taking that yarn and you're creating it into a fabric that again feels different. Is another configuration uh, being reconfigured into another structure. And when you wash it and block it and wear it, it will feel different again. And it may continue to do so throughout its life. So the hand squish grab will not tell you what this wool will feel like 10 years down the line. But we include it for that reason, so that we can compare our thoughts from the ball right through every stage to the worn swatch. Uh, As well as tactile sensation, you may wish to note any other sensations, such as smell, which many of our explorers do. We also uh, make a note of what we think the wool may be best suited to. Again, uh, what you think to begin with is definitely open to change as we go on, but make a note of your initial thoughts of use. The next part of uh, the field notes is to note your experience of swatching. Does it knit smoothly? Does it split? Is it grippy? What is the wool like? Are there finer fibres or thicker fibres? Does it make a woolly halo over the surface of the fabric? 
What kind of stitches are working best here and are you enjoying it? Uh, once you finish your swatch, we make a note of the unwashed size. Just again for comparison, it's not a gauge swatch. I'm, I'm tempted to keep on repeating that because um, there is something of difference here. Um, and we do find we have explorers who say they never knit a, a gauge swatch for a sweater, but they're happy to knit swatches for wool exploration. So... <laughs> So make a note of the unwashed size of the swatch and then it's the process of washing and blocking and wearing. And we do this twice as standard and there's a very good reason why. Washing, blocking and wearing can change the fabric in ways small and large. And by doing it twice, we're trying to capture a little more information of our breed yarn and how it may wear over its life. So we make a note of the washing process. Did you did you use soap? Did you soak it for 20 minutes or 20 hours? Did you pin it out? Did you hang it or leave it to dry? Have the dimensions changed um, when you pop it uh, wet onto the blocking surface? The wear test is always an interesting one too. And if you have a swatch or a piece of knitting with you now, then, then try this. I have a Shetland swatch. Uh, this wool is Langsund um, from Donna Smith. So firstly, I would ask you to explore your swatch and press it to your neck. Now press it to your forehead. Anybody going past my window just now is going to wonder what on earth I'm doing. Now try it at your shoulder. Now place it on your forearm. There are lots of other areas that we could try this. How about pressing your swatch to your upper lip? The reason that I have got us to do that and why the wear test is important is that skin receptors that we have in our skin are not evenly distributed through our body. And further to that, they change over time as we age. We lose sensation in touch um, and they're different in every single person. Touch is utterly subjective. So we try wearing our swatch for a day in one place. And if you try wearing it at your shoulder and it prickles, try moving it to wear in your sleeve uh, at your arm or try wearing it on your hip. Note, if you feel that it would be better for, say, using as a shawl or if it's too prickly at your neck, perhaps you'd be better with a hat or an outer garment. These are all really important parts of our exploration process. Another really interesting thing to do is fingertip read your swatch. If you place it on your lap or on a desk in front of you, lightly trace your fingers over it. Sensation in your fingertips is much finer. Uh, I often find that fingertip reading can help me appreciate a swatch even more as it is a very different sensation from squishing the yarn. So make a note 
of this experience of wearing um, and also make a note if through that process of wearing your swatch has changed at all. It may be that you can now see a more pronounced fibre halo or it has softened up considerably since um, that first squish. Um, So again, note down how your experience of this yarn and this fabric um, is, is, is changing. Then I ask you to do this whole washing, blocking and wearing process all over again. But again, consider the process. Um, try using maybe a hotter or colder wash or not using any sh- any soap um, or using another wash method. Uh, perhaps try popping in with other woolen items on your wool cycle um, in your machine. By the time you've done your first wash, block and wear, you might already be thinking this wool might benefit from a longer soak or would hanging my swatch to dry and weighing it to make it drapier. You know, wool exploration definitely makes us think more about the process and think more about the wool that we're knitting with. You can perform the same washes before, but remember again, this is exploration. So what is the fabric telling you? If you have your your same method of of washing each time perhaps check the ball band try washing it at the manufacturer's recommendations and noting that process and for example it may be a dyed yarn you're using so there may be particular um, instructions for that particular um, dyed yarn and washing blocking and wearing process doesn't need to be quick we have plenty of time to do this in fact in 2019 we're going to have even more time because we're only doing we're doing six different breeds rather than 12. My go-to wash, block and wear test one is to use hand-hot water with Ucelan and leave it to soak for hours. And I mean hours, overnight if possible. Uh, Again, I believe that some breed wool needs a good long wash and soak um, to get the best out of the fibre. Um, usually it means I've just forgotten if it's been left for longer than that. Um, <laughs> I then uh, pin my swatch to dry on uh, foam mats and once it's pinned, I will make a note of the dimensions. Uh, once that's dry, um, however long that takes to dry, I unpin it, but then I leave it untouched Wool has the ability to ping back and it's always interesting to see by how much. If we wear knitting gauge swatches for, say, a sweater, this is an important facet of the process. Designer's gauge is often based on the washed blocked swatch and that spring back ought to be taken into consideration. So usually I will leave the swatch just where it is unpinned on the mat for 24 hours and then measure the dimensions again Um, and then it's wearing time I quite like to test the and just in my hands test the stretch is it stretchier lengthways is it more stretchy widthways I guess you know try and do a little fortune telling with this swatch what do I think this swatch is going to do um, how do I feel it's going to wear? Um, I also might check back to my notes on the hand squish grab and we'll have a little compare um, about how it feels now that it's washed. How, you know, is it different? Is it inherently different and how? And then the wearing. 
And again, if possible, at different areas of my body, I will try and wear the swatch and wear it for a good length of time. Most of the time, I will wear it on my shoulder, uh, under my bra strap, because here it um, also um, sits on the more sensitive area of my neck as well as my shoulder. Um, it makes me think about how this would be as a you know, in, in, the, in a sweater where that neck would, would sort of sit. It makes me think what this yarn would be like as a shawl. Um, and nine times out of ten, I will I will put it there. And I can note that I feel it. I can note that it feels warm or if it feels soft or if it isn't irritating. And then I usually forget it's there until the end of the day when, you know, the swatch will drop on the floor. <laughs> Um, but also I like to give it then wear it for another day on another area of my body either um, pinned in the back of my sweater at the small of my back or at my hip um, and note those feelings as well and also I like to carry my swatch in my jeans pocket for a day or two um, you don't have to do this this is just something that this is just part of my own exploration but you, I'm very happy if you want to do this too it's just interesting to see does it crease much is it so showing signs of pilling again fingertips when you put your hand in your pocket that again has a you know finer sensation so I like to give it the pocket test as well uh, lots of our explorers also ask their colleagues or their kids or their significant others to try out their swatches too and see what they feel and see what they think the yarn is best suited to. So that's wonderful. Share share the woolly love, I say. And um, very interesting that um, I think it was our Manx wool exploration, one of our explorers gave the unwashed swatch to their significant other who thought it was going to be a bit irrita irritating against their skin. Then they showed them the washed and blocked swatch and they didn't believe that it was the same yarn at all. They thought it was a different wool because it was so much more softer. My second wash block and wear is often a shorter wash but agitated. Um, I will either um, rough it up in the bowl that I'm soaking it in or I will pop it in the machine with other items on a 30 degree wash and usually I turn the spin down to 800 rpm or below. Um, then I will usually just smooth out the swatch and leave it to dry unpinned, noting the dimensions damp and then again when dry. Um, it's a really nice process. I love sort of smoothing out um, a damp swatch. I do the same with, um, you know, anything that I've made to block a sweater or a shawl, you know, just smoothing it out, just spending some time smoothing it out on the mat uh, and getting it to reach its um, dimensions before pinning it. It's, again, it's another tactile sensation. Uh, I repeat the wear process, trying again in other areas and, you know, really good idea that if you, if you felt a prickle somewhere in your first wear test, after that second wash and block, try it in that area again. See if the feeling has changed at all. You can do more wash, block and wear if there's time, but two is definitely mandatory again we need to see the evolution of the yarn and we need to give ourselves an idea of the life of this yarn in fabric form <clears throat> then we have our final assessment how did you find this exploration are you surprised what did you learn more importantly what is the yarn best suited to now um go back to that hand squish grab go back to that you know, just cast off swatch. How does it feel now and will you use it again?
And that is your journey with this breed yarn. And for it to be part of our joint exploration and for your review to be included in our episodes, uh, then you will need to put those notes into our wool exploration Google form. And there's a link to the form in the show notes here. Uh, bookmark it. The link shouldn't change. Uh, the form is also linked in the chat threads uh, in the Ravelry group too and your data will be used in the episode with everyone else's and it will form part of our understanding of the breed wool and I know if you've listened to the podcast you'll have heard our wool exploration results and how each swatch is so important in our collective understanding of this breed wool. So thank you for those of you who have already done this and been part of this process. And I really hope that um, you're looking forward to taking part in this exploration if you haven't. Um, there are deadlines for each breed, uh, but these are just to get your reviews in for the podcast episode. So I don't have um, the final deadline dates yet, but in January, we're going to be looking at the Shetland Wool Exploration. Then in March, we'll be looking at the Cheviot exploration. So your deadline for um, having explored your Cheviot swatches will be around the end of February, probably. Then in May, we're going to be looking at Wensleydale on the podcast. So again, your review deadline review is going to be mid to end of April for Wensleydale. In July, we're going to be looking at Castle Milk Murat on the July podcast. You know, middle end of June. In the September podcast, we're going to be looking at Norfolk Horn. And in the November podcast, we're going to be looking at the Welsh Mountain Group. So there are going to be a few to knit. If you so wish to take part in all of them, you can just choose one. The, the deadline will be a good few weeks before the podcast episode is due to go out. And that's just so it gives me time to collate that information for the podcast. But um you can explore any of the breeds that we've previously looked at. Um, you know, you, you don't feel like you, you're you're listening to this now and you feel like you've missed out on the 2018 breeds. Those wool exploration chat threads are still in the Ravelry group. There is a, a, a chat thread for each breed that we've looked at and that we will look at. And you can continue to um, to take part. The idea has always been that I will eventually collate the findings uh, to be available as PDFs or downloadable from the website and accessible to makers. Um, right now, it's totally about our audio adventures and our community exploration in the Ravelry group. But again, as I say, you can feel free to take part in any way that you, you want. Um, a really good idea is to... Um, pop your wool exploration notes in a Ravelry project page and again that will help anybody who might be searching Ravelry to find out about for example North Ronaldsea yarn or um, Gotland wool or any of the breeds that we've looked at your project page is available publicly in Ravelry for anyone to find and so your experience of that breed wool will be there to help other Ravelry users um, in discovering more about this wool. Like I said, there's the Knit British um, Ravelry group chat threads there. And you can share, share on social media, use hashtag wool exploration, blog about it. So fantastic that a lot of our explorers are blogging about their own 
uh, exploration and own adventures uh, with breed wool. Take your swatches to knit night, talk about wool exploration and get others exploring your swatches too because, you know, that's that's what it's all about. In terms of participation, you can definitely just jump in where you fancy. This isn't a club that you have to subscribe to. Taking part is on uh, your own interest and your wish to learn more. You can take part in all of it or just one or two. You can even jump in if you've tried the breed before. In fact, I hope that you do because you're going to be building on the knowledge that you already have of that breed uh, in yarn form. Maybe try a different brand or a different seller or maybe do a wash block and wear of an item that you have made in that breed yarn before but look back at your Ravelry notes of what that yarn was like when you first made with it and look at it now under the microscope again. How has it changed with more constant wear? The last year of wool exploration has been incredible. It's been a wonderful experience as an individual, getting to know breed yarn in a different way, again under a microscope, but it has been incredible to share that experience with other explorers and bring those adventures to the podcast. And what we've learned together is amazing and it takes our own relationship with crafting and wool to a whole another level. The feedback from Knit British listeners has been amazing and so many people have said it's opened up their eyes to breeds that have now become wish list yarns for them or that they've gone out and sought out on the basis of your exploration of that breed so that is incredible that's incredible there may be problems that you come up against and I hope to address a couple of them here uh it's sort of like a fact I suppose (laughs) it's not frequently asked questions but you know possible problems I can't think of any other words other than soft or itchy. Well, my advice is try. Um, Soft and itchy are so subjective, definitely the latter. Again, we all have different sensations to texture. In wool exploration, we have an opportunity to create a new vocabulary for wool and fabric. It doesn't have to be a fancy word, just the terms that relate to your sensation of it in a descriptive way. Uh, Is it ticklish? Is it cosy? Is it like velvet? Is it crisp? Does it have tooth? Is it reliable? You know, is it like another brand of yarn that you can say it feels a bit like this? Tell us. That is really important. That gives us a frame of reference. Soft, itchy, even, quote marks, rustic are overused. Rustic relates to the countryside and rural, so by definition, most yarn could be called rustic. If you're using rustic to mean homely or plain or simple or it feels hand-spun or uh, by any other definition of what rustic can mean, then use those terms instead. Uh, But don't use it, rustic, as another word for characterful or scratchy, because it isn't quite that and we are in danger of making it mean that but if you're 
swatch feels like woolly bubble wrap or dry seaweed or tiny coils against your skin, all previous words used in wool exploration, then just say that. Uh, as I've said, itchy is subjective. It's not a great way to market wool to people who may feel that yarn differently to you. So how can you describe it? Um, and you can definitely say that it isn't for you if, if you find that it's not for you. This isn't about just using positive words. It's just about broadening the words that we use to describe wool. How many notes do I need to write? This doesn't have to be a diary. Uh, you can use short descriptions and keywords. In fact, on the Google form, um, there is a word limit. So if you're so inclined, you can write very detailed notes in your Ravelry project page or in your own wool journal, if you have one, or on your blog um, or on your podcast. Uh, you can elaborate on your findings um, in the Ravelry group and you can, um, you know, ask questions there. And uh, again, uh, use the Ravelry group to broaden your experience of this wool. Uh, but, but you definitely don't need to write reams and reams and reams. Um, if you don't want to and if that is somehow putting you off taking part in wool exploration let me tell you that short descriptions and keywords are perfect so keep it short if you like I can't fill out the google form so the google form is fairly accessible on all devices but it is a bit tricky if you're using a tablet or a smartphone when you try to copy and paste from your typed notes, whether you have them on Ravelry or in a blog or you keep a typed journal. I'm sorry about that. Um, there are general tips on, you know, copying and pasting using touchscreens. I'll try and put links in the show notes, but different machines and different operating systems will have different issues with copying and pasting. We can only hope that this changes as time goes on um, with, you know, improvements and updates and things. I can't change it. Um, and unfortunately, I can't enter the info for you into the Google form. If you find that you cannot enter all of the information that you wish, that you're copying and pasting and, and you, you're not getting, you know, all of your text isn't appearing, it may be that it's because there are text limits. Um, Wool exploration is about 45 minutes to one hour of our show. Um, it takes up a lot of space in our show and I'm really glad that it does. But um, that's because... I keep the word limit to a modest limit for the forum just so it's easy for me to read out. And again, as you can hear, my throat's starting to go from just, what, um, 30 minutes. Um, again, you can you can add a few sentences. You can use keywords, um, short paragraphs. Um, punchy and brief will be the things that will quickly resonate with listeners as well. Um, remember, listeners may not be listening with a pen and paper. Um, so quick and punchy is 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 just great there should be a little um you know message that will pop up um if you've exceeded um the text limit i've tried to keep it somewhat modest and that's just going on an average um of of some of the responses that we've already had again there are some great bigger discussions in the the chat threads and ravelry where do I find the wool? Do you sell it? I get asked this a lot. No, I'm not a shop. Wool exploration. 
it's kind of in the title. This whole journey for me started well before the podcast in a blog where I challenged myself to find what was local to me and you know I extend that challenge to you see if you can find these breeds local to where you are I give links um, where possible most of the links that I, I give are for companies here in the UK this podcast has around thirty to 40,000 downloads from all over the world every month. I can't possibly um, link to what's local to you, but you can do that. you That's part of your journey with this wool is to find it. Um, c- could you find it locally? Was it available um, to you locally? Is it available in your um, state? If it's not available in your town, is it available in your county? Is it available in your country? Is it available in the neighbouring country? Th- this is really important to our wool exploration. And it has been in wool exploration past where we can um, look at South Down wool from the South Down region of the United Kingdom to compare it with baby doll South Down from North America. We've done it with Romney. This is, again, part part of our exploration is to see how different uh, a Shetland wool from Shetland will be from a Shetland wool from mainland Scotland or a Shetland wool from North America. You have to you have to seek it out um, yourself. And as I say, where possible, I will give links. But you are the adventurer. I hope that's been helpful. I want to have a little episode that was all about wool exploration as a point of reference for anyone who is interested in taking part. If you are interested in wool exploration, use the hashtag wool exploration on your social media. Join the Niche British group on Ravelry. Say hello and then jump on in to the chat threads. I'm going to open all of the chat threads. Um, for 2019 wool exploration and you can get started straight away if you're not interested in knitting cheviot for our um, march exploration but you want to knit some castle milk mudit later in the year you can still start now there's no sign up required you can just jump in and get going you will find me on Ravelry as Lira, L-E-I-R-A. I am on Instagram as underscore Knit British. And you will always find me at www.knitbritish.net. Thanks for listening. Take good care. <laughs>